Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. This morning, bringing us into a transition. Everybody say transition. transition. The church is always in transition, whether you realize it or not. Because the Bible says we're going from one degree of glory to another. So we're always in transition. But, you know, one of the hardest things for anyone to face is change. The pace of change frightens some people. The nature of change frightens people. But change is here to stay. And as long as God allows me to have breath in my body, I hope that I'll be an agent of change. You know, there's more books written about change than anything else. Change management. Why? Because there's so much friction, so much uh, irritation, so much misunderstanding that goes around change. So everyone's writing a book to tell you how to understand, how to communicate what you understand, so that, that so there is a smoother transition. But, you know, there's always going to be discomfort when it comes to transition. Why? Because God's taking you from one place and moving you to another. You know that? When a new word comes to you, that is a word to, keep the, to, to either keep the transition moving or to start the transition. Let me say that again to you. When transition comes, when a word comes, it comes to either keep the transition in momentum or to start a new transition within your life. That's why the word must come to us. It must keep on coming to us so that we can keep the transition of moving from one degree of glory to another. That's why we can't have the same old word just regurgitated. We must have fresh revelation, fresh bread on the table. Yes? But you know, if you're not a person who wants to transition, all you'll ever do is enjoy the word and your ears will enjoy what you hear. But your heart will never receive it. But those who really love the word, I was praying this morning as we're worshiping, Lord, give us a love in this church for your word. A true love. And then I was checked in my spirit to say, well, people who listen to the word say, I love the word. But the Bible says, don't just be hearers only. Because you'll deceive yourself. And there's a delusion that comes upon us because we think we're hearing the word that we're in the, we're in the place. No, no, no. We're not in the place. We've just heard it. Then you have to, it has to take root within you. And then... Choices and decisions to work with that word is where that word then begins to work or lie dormant. And if God knows that you're not a person who works with his word, guess what? You'll only ever be a hearer. And the veil will come over you and there'll be those who enter in and those who just stay on the outside. Oh, you'll be looked after. Yes, you'll be looked after, but you'll never enter the joy that was set before you. Now you have to live, you can decide I want to be a priest in the house and I can be like a Levite and have all the full rights of a Levite who ate ate all the the, the meat that was given to them, the portion that was given to them or you can be like the people outside. Because the Levites were were a group of priests who were given the inheritance. Everything they received was given to them as an inheritance. They didn't have to beg for it. They didn't have to charge for it. It was given to them as an inheritance. Now we are a people who have been given an inheritance. But you can either feed off your inheritance now or you can wait. You can die and wait until you you think, well, I'll, I'll start feeding off it when I get to heaven. That's too late. All that heaven has, he put on earth. That's why he said, pray that your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. God's not waiting for us to die before this thing starts. He says, no, it started now. Heaven's in you. So the transition that's on is that we are moving. Now I'm going to help unpack this over some time. So don't worry if you don't understand it first go. But we are trying to move from one level of priesthood to a new level of priesthood. Now, if I said to you, if I put charismatic and then put Catholic, you'd understand that one wears uniforms, the other one doesn't. True? You'd understand that in a Catholic church, there'd be a lot of furniture that isn't in here. Yes? There'd be a lot of bronze and a lot of gold and a bit of silver. And there'd be choirs, or there might not be choirs. There may be, you know, he might, the guy might preach from the rooftop, looking down on us. There may be a big table. There may be incense and nonsense, bells and smells. And yet when we come in here, there's just chairs. So the furniture's different, is it not? Why? Because the revelation's different. The revelation's different. The transition's different. Someone received the word and they progressed. Where another movement stayed. So you see an old two orders of priesthoods on the earth. Yes, I'm not saying every man in those orders is good because you've just got just as many ignorant Christians in charismania as you have in Catholicism, right? And you've got good people in Catholicism who are locked into the system, who are frightened to change. And you've got so many people in charismania who are locked into a system and frightened to change. Yes, so they're in both. But the two priesthoods works at work are on the earth. You can see the different levels. Now, I'm going to some extremes to show you that. So hopefully you get on the page quicker. So we can see one wears his, his, you know, his robes and, his, and he carries and, his, and, he, and he waves his incense and all the crowd follow behind him. And there's a lot of rules and regulations uh, that, that, you can't, that you can't do that only they can do. Right? He separates you from God. Where in a charismatic kind of framework, we can all come. Yes? Now, depending on the, your, your uh, position or your disposition, you'll choose one or the other. But that, nevertheless, there are two priesthoods. Yes? Well, in the Old Testament, there was priesthoods. But, you know, God didn't always accept what they were giving him. God didn't always accept what they brought. Just like God will always accept what you bring. That's why there's conditions. Come before him with thanksgiving and joy. That's the condition. When we all come together, the Bible says each one must bring a psalm, a hymn. Something of encouragement. That's the order of the new priesthood. Someone must bring. In the Old Testament, they had to bring. Now, can you imagine for one minute, let me just say, if I put the Old Testament in a new, in a 21st century context, let's just say, as you, as you came into church this morning... You brought your cattle with you. You brought your, your bull. You brought your goat. You brought your lamb. And if you were really poor, the basic you had to do was bring a pigeon. Okay? There's a lot of pigeons outside. At least you can bring a pigeon. Can you imagine queuing up outside the door and the two priests here, the Levites, David and Phil, are sat there with the butcher's knives. Right? And as you walk through the door, there they are slicing and dicing your offering. That's what used to happen in the Old Testament. Each one had to bring something. So they would be slaughtering bulls and rams and there'd be blood all over the place, splashing all over them. So these would be reds. <laughs> Permanent reds, blood all over the place. But guess what? You had the easy part. Because all you had to do was bring it and leave it and they did the rest. So you never, ever had, you never had any blood 
on you. There was really no sacrifice to you other than bring it. Oh, that's such a picture of modern day church. So many people just want to bring themselves, sit down and let everyone else get the blood all over them. They want everybody else to slice and dice it, prepare the meal. You know, one of the wonderful things about having a mother in the house is that she cooks, she cooks the food in a beautiful way. And when you've come home from work or school, depending on where you are, mum's done it all for you. And then she asks you to wash the dishes and you manifest. Yeah? She spent an hour, two hours preparing, cooking, serving. You spent five minutes wolfing it down. It takes five minutes to wash the dishes. Or even if you've got a dishwasher, to put them in the dishwasher, it's an effort. Right? And to turn it on, it's like an effort. It's like... <laughs> and then you have no concept of sacrifice or servanthood. But mum got the all experience. Now mum says, well, you know, if you ate your dinner, that's, that's good enough for me. A clean plate is a wonderful thing. Well, that might be. But he still is the lazy rat. True? He eats off it. Right. So when they came into the, the temple, they just brought their animals and just said, okay, let's leave it. You can slice it and dice it. Let all the blood all over the place. We'll stay clean. So someone else has got all the work. Yeah? That was the old mentality. And then what happened was, is when they brought, when you brought what you brought to them and then they brought it to the Lord, then this me, I've then got to go into a special room with a piece of rope around me. And then once a year, because of you lousy lot, I've now got to go and speak to God and God's got to speak to me. And if I don't come out, you're in trouble. And I'm dead. That seems a bad deal. That seems a bad deal. When I've got to go into the Holy of Holies and got to say, Lord, I know they're a rum bunch, but can you just see past them? God says, no, I can't atone for them. The, sin's not the offering's not accepted before me today. He said, it's not. Well, can I go out and tell him? You're joking, you're not leaving. You're dead. Because you're the one who carries the responsibility for teaching them and making sure that all the rules and the laws are put in place. Oh, Lord, let me just go and tell him. No, no, you're staying, you're dead. So then all you hear is, heave pull him, pull him, pull him. You get to stay alive, I'm dead. That's not a good deal. That's not a good deal. I much prefer the priesthood of all believers, where we're all in trouble, or each man has to stand for himself. Don't you? It's so easy to bring, you know, your dog, your cat, your pigeon, whatever it is, and, and expect some, me to work magic with it. So that's what we do now. We ask people to come to church. The priest still exits. You see, people have a consciousness that I've got to go to church. So now they come to church and they expect the priest to sort it all out. They still expect the, the priest to connect with God. They still expect me or whoever the pastor is to have had a special word from God just for you. And if I do, you might not like it. Because not always did the priest come out and say, you know what? I've been speaking to God. He thinks you're wonderful. Sometimes he came out and he told you what was wrong. And he gave you some stiff word from God. How many of you know that? And here we are in the modern day church. We think because we're not in the Levitical priesthood anymore, the same practices are still not on the earth. They are. We just don't dress the same. We may not have the same, we may not have the outer court, the inner, the inner court, and, the, and the, the courtyard, the Holy of Holies, you should say. But we've still got a lot of the old practices on the earth. 
And God's saying that if you're going to transition, you've got to get rid of the old ways. It's still within you. It's still within you. And even though the priesthood is dead and buried in terms of, you know, carving animals up, a lot of the, the ingrained traditions are still in. They've worked their way into the church. And if you go to Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to show you a few scriptures this morning, which just to give you an, in, an, uh, an idea of what was going on in this priesthood. And the, listen, when I read these scriptures, notice the attitude of the people. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Therefore, you know this scripture, you've heard it before, guys. Therefore, my dear friends, you have always, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. We read something like this this morning. Yes? Do everything without complaining or arguing. Okay? We could just stop right there, couldn't we? So that you become blameless and pure children of God. Without fault in a crooked, depraved generation. Right, let's just, just hold it right there. There's a generation that's crooked and depraved. Right? And it has philosophies and it has a way of working. And guess what? You work in the same world where that operates. So some of that is possible to come onto you. So therefore, you carry in your life and then you have mixture. Yes? And then on a Sunday, you try to get a God conscience. But on a Monday to Saturday, you have a worldly conscience. So when you come in on a Sunday, too much mixture. There's not enough to turn the whole thing. That's why the Bible says a little bit of yeast can mess the whole batch up. So he says, guys, I want you to understand that you're working and living in a, you know, in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. So you're meant to be the answer. Yes, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. So Paul's saying, look, I'm, I am an apostolic high priest in this context. Paul has given him some truth that they didn't have. So Paul is acting as a priest, if I can use that uh, context. He wasn't a priest, he was an apostle. But if you're a Christian, you're a priest. Okay. So Paul was a priest and he was giving them the truth of God's word. Why? Because he wants them to continue on in the transition of moving out of Judaism into Christianity. So there's two orders, Judaism and Christianity. And he wants them to move out of one order that has been totally made obsolete by God into the new priesthood of all believers, which is in Christ. Okay, so he's saying, guys, before you do that, you've got to work some things out. You've got to work your salvation out. It's not enough, Paul's saying, for you to just to say, get on your knees and say, Jesus, I accept you in my life. Thank you for dying for me on a cross. He says, guys, there's more. There's a lot more. That's called introduction. That's not called Christianity. That's called introduction 101 into Christ. But then living for Christ, sacrificing your life for Christ is going to take a different order. It's going to take a transition. Yes? You're going to have to move from one degree to another. One move of discomfort to another move of a level of discomfort to another. Till eventually you've got nothing of you and it's all of him. Yes? So he's saying, guys, 
You have to work this thing out. You have to think about how you're going to transition. You have to think about what is required of us in order to transition. Why do we have to change? Yes, it's not enough to hear someone say change. You have to understand what's in God's heart as to why you should change. Because when you realize why, then you're more likely to come alongside and partner with the need and the reason for change. So God is trying to help Paul to see that tell the guys change has to come. There is an order. And Paul says, you know, I want the opportunity to boast about you on the day that Christ returns. Because I don't want my labor to have achieved nothing. You don't want your labor to achieve nothing. True? So if I take myself in the same context as Paul, and as I'm laboring to bring the transition into the house and to keep on keep us on the cutting edge, I want the joy also of presenting you to the Father. Because there'll come a time when God will judge me for the way I dealt with you. So I wanted the joy of saying, you know those guys, they work with us, they transition with us, they, they love you, oh Lord, they're a great people. The, you know, the draws the nights, not, not a bunch like them on the earth. Yeah? And God says, you know, you know, I saw the way you handled them, I saw the way you brought the word of life to them and the way they truth. I saw you, the way they honored you, I saw the way they took this word. You know what? Well done. That's the joy that Paul wanted. That's the same joy I want. To be able to say, you know, Lord, here they all are. The ones that were lost, it was never in my control. Because people will come and go. You know that, don't you? You got here, you had to leave somewhere to get here. That's called come and go. And and Paul is saying, guys, there are still some things we have to work out. If your salvation is static, then you're in trouble. If you're not growing in your revelation, you're not growing in your work and your service for God, then you have a static relationship. Do you hear me? You have a static relationship. Why? Because change can't come when you're still. Change comes as you move, as you make choices, as you make decisions, as this truth hits you and it moves you higher. Yes? So you have to work out what God is doing. Now, what is God doing? One of the things God is doing is changing mountains. He's changed mountains. You say, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews 12. God is changing mountains. Hebrews 12 verse 18. Now listen to what he says first and pick up the word not. N-O-T, not. Verse 18, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness. We'll see that in a minute. Gloom and storm. So you've not come to burning fire, darkness, gloom or storm. So it's not in Manchester you're going. Okay? You've not come to you know, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, darkness, gloom and storm to a trumpet blast or such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. You know, there's so many people today in church who, listen to this, they're wanting more and more of less and less. It frightens me to, fit, to think that people want that. In other words, the same pastor, give us more and more 
of less and less. In other words, give us more of the less of the word. Reduce the word. Reduce the time. Reduce the worship. Reduce the requirements. Reduce the expectations. Give us more of that so we can have less of it. This is the mentality of so many churches. That we make it so nice and warm. The programs are so good. You know, all the pro- you're in church six days a week. When do you ever get out and live a life? If you're in church six days a week, five days a week, four days a week, how do you ever go and get this God life? Hello? That's called Noah's Ark. You sat there. Well, the storm's going on all around you. You're safe in your little ark. How can, if you're supposed to shine as stars, how do you shine when you're inside church? Right. So he's saying, guys, that, you know, they begged. They begged. The people are asking, don't make it too long. Don't make it too hard. Make it, make, come down to our level. God, God came down once to, your, to our level. He brought Christ. Now you go up to his level. But all through, the, through the churches all around the world, we're making it, we're giving them milk, and now we've reduced the milk. And now we've got water. And then we reduce the water, we pollute the water. So what have they got? Mixture. That's why you don't have mature Christians. Because everything's so sickly and so sweet. Easy to come, easy to go. It's so easy that people don't grow. And then they wonder why the prayers don't get answered. They wonder why they get forced, well, God abandoned me. No, 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 you abandoned God. You reduced him. You reduced him into the image that you wanted him to be. You reduced him into your image of what you wanted him to be. And Paul is trying to help us, saying there's some things we've got to work out. We've got to get the Christ back in the the church. We've got to get Christ back in the man. We've got to form the Christ back inside us. It's not church life, it's God life. God chose us this morning, we read in Galatians, God chose us, us in Him. In Him. When you first received the truth, in Him you believed. You was included in Him. He didn't put you in a church, He put you in Him. And anyone, any church that doesn't have Him is not His church. You're part of Him. And the church is part of Him. And we're all in Him. Yes? This is not membership. We're not in membership. No one had to sign to get in here this morning. Across the road is the social club. You might need a membership card. But not in here, you don't need a membership card. Why? Because the moment you believe, you're included. In him. We could make a bomb on on, on subscriptions. That's the case. But that's the old priesthood mentality. Make sure we know all our numbers. Make sure we know them. We've got a database. We can chase them. No, no, no. Don't need to chase. If you're not with it, you're not with it. So he says, even if an animal, uh, sorry, let's go back. Uh, those who heard it begged for no further word to be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it was stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. But you, here we are, but you have come to Mount Zion to a new Heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come. Before he says you've not come, now he says you have come. There's a switch. Notice verse 12, you have not come to a mountain. Now look here, he says, but you have come to Mount Zion. 
So there's a switch. God's moved. God's moved. One minute he's on one mountain called Mount Sinai. Now he's on Jer- in, in, in Zion. What a switch. And we're going to see why he switched. You've come, but on this mountain, you've come to a heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You've come to the thousand upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. That's what I was worshipping with this morning. Joyful angels in the assembly of God. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God. Before on Sinai, they couldn't get God, so they had rituals. Yes? So you've come to the judge of men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. Yes? And you've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And listen, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you don't refuse him who speaks. So rather than the sliced dice, Phil and David are all full of blood. We don't need that no more. Sprinkled blood. And a blood that still speaks for us. Remember what I said yesterday, guys? It speaks for us. You don't have to keep applying it. It speaks for you. Yes, you're already in. The blood gives you entrance, passageway, redemption, holiness, sanctification. All those words that you didn't know existed, they do. They really do. So, the old, the old order must come to an end. If, if God switched mountain, but notice, God switched mountain so that you could be brought over to where he is. Now, if he switched mountain first, how many of you know there's still an old bunch of people still over on the old order? That's why we need transition. To get from one mountain to the next. These are symbolic of places in Christ. Yes? This morning, we, can, we have the privilege of going all the way. Are you there, church? We can go straight into his presence. But in the old priesthood, they couldn't. Because we're going to see in a minute. So God switched. He said, I don't like this order. So he's switching. And he has to wait generations and generations and generations for the church to transition. So he can bring a whole bunch of people across. Why? Because now we have a kingdom. Over there they had a priesthood. But now there's a kingdom. And the kingdom's got a government. And the kingdom has got a a ruler. Yes? And there's an order. And now the nations are on his heart. Now it's not just one nation. Now it's nations. Yes? And now the glory of the Lord has has to fill the whole earth. How does he do it? Through the church. So the church has to transition from there to there. Are you seeing this? The priesthood's not going to help. It's In fact, it's only hindering the transition. And even today, the church is still hindering the transition. Why? Because of the mentality of the shepherds to the people. I'll show you that next week. How shepherds have destroyed the people. They've given the people what they want. People will always ask for something and always moan and complain. And the shepherd, if he gets brassed off, he gives them what they want. You know, one thing, if you wanted to tick God off, there was a quick way of ticking God off. If the priest did what God said, God's heart was glad. If the priest didn't do what God said, he was mad. And when he was mad, he was mad. And when he was glad, he was very glad. And you know, he still hasn't changed today. You say, well, God's not the same God. Listen, his mercy is holding a lot of stuff back. 
but he still won't tolerate a lot of stuff. Do you know that? He still won't tolerate. I'm going to show you next week how that mercy works for you, but it doesn't benefit you long term. It just stops him killing you, but it does not actually benefit your life long term. You know, if, if Phil is, is, is obnoxious to me and I don't punch him, right? My mercy stops me from punching him, but he's still obnoxious. True? Now, if I don't punch him, someone else might. Right? Now, someone else might show him grace. And if someone else doesn't show him grace, someone might show him some truth. Truth with a slap. But guess what? He's still obnoxious. You're still obnoxious in that sense. If, even though God doesn't kill us and wipe us off, we're still a bunch of <laughs> obnoxious people. Yes? But I'm loved and I'm accepted from God. Yes, but you're still obnoxious. So, in Exodus 19, let's go there. Is this, can I, you know, is, can I ask you, is this helping? Can you see where we're going? In the third month, in verse 1 of chapter 19 of Exodus, in the third month after the Israelites left Egypt on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. What mountain? Mount Sinai. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant... Then out, of, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Wow, what a deal. Although the whole earth is mine, you listen, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Wow. So God was putting a deal on the table that no one else was going to get. Can you see this? God's given him the best deal there is. Covenant 101. And he says, you will be, even though there are many nations, you will be my treasured possession. Another way of saying it is, you'll be the apple of my heart. You'll be the apple of my eye. You'll be the treasure inside my heart. In other words, I'll do things for you that I won't do for others. Because you've got the affections of my heart. And you'll be a kingdom of priests. Not a group of priests. A kingdom of priests. Notice the word kingdom. Not just a company of priests. A kingdom of priests. You'll rule. You'll reign. You'll rule territory. And, and, and you'll guide. And you'll guard. And you'll govern nations by this priesthood. Yes? And you'll be a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So what has he got to do? He's got to speak some stuff. He's got to bring the people to where he is. The people have to make a transition. True? And the, and, and the priest, as Moses is, is the priest at that moment, he has to speak some stuff to the people. Just like I'm speaking it to you. So they've come out of, the, they've come out of Egypt. Just like you've come out of Egypt. Egypt is a symbol of the world. You, you worked under Pharaoh. Some of you still work for the Pharaohic system, but God's your employer. 
Okay? Your employer says, I want more for less and less. He's one of those. Give me more and more of less and less. Yeah, I'll give you less money and I want more hours. Yes? So you work in that system, but God is your employer. Amen? So we understand that. So these people came out of this, or were were brought out, but how many of you know, God's greatest problem is he couldn't get Egypt out of the people. He could get Israel out of Egypt, but he could not get Egypt out of them. And so much of our struggles of why we don't transition is going back because we go back in a crooked, depraved world. That's mixture. Though you've been called out of darkness, darkness is still in you. Why? Because you still think, behave, and operate and function like the old way. We're going from one degree of glory. The first thing you've got to do is crucify your flesh. The flesh is the old way. It only knows the old way. You have to train your flesh. Yes? And how many of you like the flesh? Of course you do. Now, Israel had seen the miracles that God did for them. They saw all the miracles. They saw God deliver her from the hand of Pharaoh. They saw the Red Sea part. They saw they wore shoes that never wore out. They ate food that came from heaven. Yes, this was a people who had carried the supernatural God, favour of God upon their lives. And yet they still moaned. Does it ring a bell? (laughs) And he says, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt. And now I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Does that sound like a loving God? Of course it does. You know, God's still carrying you on eagle's wings. God's still bringing you to himself. Why? Because God's on Mount Zion. He wants the church to transition. Why? Because he wants to bring them to himself. Himself. So the transition, why do I need to transition? Why? Because God's trying to bring you to himself. Right there, 101. But I don't want to go. My flesh is in the way. Kill the flesh. Why? Son, because I don't want anything to get in the way of you coming to me. I'm going to clear the pathway, but you've got to work out your salvation so you can clear some stuff. You understand the assignment. You understand your work, your task. All that is to get you closer to me. Yes? For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, it says over there in Isaiah 62, verse 1 on our poster here. God cannot keep quiet. Why? Because the transition, until the transition is complete, God will keep speaking to those who want to hear his voice. You understand that? Why? Because his agenda is to bring you to himself. No, to himself does not mean you just having a quiet time with God. Oh God, I'm worshipping you. You brought me to Zion, Lord. That's not Zion. That's called quiet time, intimacy with God. Okay? Don't think when you're having a quiet time, I'm in Zion. Don't don't bang your bells, go, "Mm, Zion, Zion, smell Zion, smell Zion. That's called mystic. God is bringing us to a dimension of his kingdom that you have never seen. And God wants to get you out the way so that there's a free path going all the way to him. God wants you for himself. Nothing's changed. He paid the price so you could have it, so he could have you. Nothing's changed. But then the world gets in the way. You get in the way. Systems get in the way. Pharaohs come. Pharaohs go. You get in the way. All that has to go so that you can be brought to him. You are being brought to Mount Zion. That's the church. That's the purpose of God's heart. If you're in the church, then the church has got a destination. It's called Mount Zion. Why? We haven't got time to tell you all that, but it's the place where God lives. 
God doesn't live in heaven. God lives on Mount Zion. The scripture teaches us that. It's the dwelling place of God. Yes? So everything God does is to bring you to himself. This is his desire. Can we see that? So now he says, excuse me, if you obey, my, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you'll be my treasured possession. So let me make this contemporary. Dream center. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, out of all the cities in England, I'm going to make you a treasured possession. Oh, didn't we get a treasure? Didn't we get a treasure chest? Didn't God give us that? Why did he give us that? It's a resource to help us to become what he's saying. Let me say that again. It's so good. I'm going to say it twice. You've been my treasured possession. What does that mean, Lord? Well, I'm going to give you a treasure trove. When we came back from Australia, God prophetically gave us a treasure trove. He said, as you open it, it will give you the resources so that you will be brought to myself. So he gives, us, he gives the priest a new coat. He gives me a new coat. I'll talk about that near the time. He gives me a staff and he gives me some food. All for you. Why? And for us. And for the assignment. Why? Because his mission is to bring us to himself. Now tonight, you bring yourself to him. But he brings us to himself. Does that make sense? Your job as a priest every day in your quiet time is to put yourself in front of him. Right? The Holy Ghost will reveal more of him and he will bring you to himself. Through Jesus being the mediator. Amen? So your job as a priest is to minister to him. His job is then to present you right in the throne room before his father. Does that make sense? So the treasure resources are given. So here we go. He says, out of the whole earth, Although the whole earth is mine, Dream Center, you're going to be, for me, a church, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words you speak to the Israelites. These are the words you speak to the, the Dreamerites, the Drawsdenites. So I'm speaking the same words to you this morning that Moses had to speak to the Israelites. And I hope we don't get the same result that Moses got here. Yeah? The same thing that Jesus offered, listen, the same thing that Jesus offered to Israel, he gave the church. You don't believe me? Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. The same thing that he was offering Israel, he gave to the church. This is a good scripture. Go to it. The same thing. Why? Because his will and intent has never changed. Just because one group of people didn't buy into the deal, God always foresaw a church. We read this morning that God saw, he thought about you. He always knew that you would be in his will. But first he went to Israel. What did Jesus do when he spoke, when he spoke I think it's in, in Luke. I'm not sure if they've got the book right. But he goes in, he says, to you, he said, they didn't receive him. He said, right, he turned his back. He said, now I'm, gonna go to the, I'm not going to go to the house of Israel. It was for this reason I came to the house of Israel. But since you don't want it, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. It was always his heart to give it the Jews. But because they refused him, he grafted in into the vine the Gentiles. You're a Gentile. Anyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile. So we now grafted in. And we were the first to hope, the Bible says. We were the first to hope. They were the first to believe. We were the first to hope. So we were always in his mind. We weren't a plan B. They were a plan B. We were plan A. The church was always in his heart. 
Guess what? The Bible says he made the two one. So there's only ever been one plan. But it was different choices. So here we see in verse in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. Now to you who believe this stone is precious. Now we're talking about Christ. But to those who do not believe, the stone is the builder rejects and becomes the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Well, who rejected him? The Israelites. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Well, he was the one that caused them to stumble and fall. So they stumble because they disobey the message, which, listen, is also what they were destined for. Wow. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you, were, you didn't receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he says, and when he goes back into Exodus, he says, you're going to be a treasure position, a possession and the whole earth is mine and you're going to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words I speak to the Israelites. You must speak to the Israelites. So they rejected it, but now he's offering them the same deal to us. It still has to be offered. Why? Because a switch still has to be made in the hearts and minds of believers. If, we'd have li- if we would have heard this word and disagreed with it and not obeyed it, we could never become, go to Mount Zion. We'd still be like the Jews. Yes? You'd still be on the old mountain with all the bells and smells and incense and nonsense. And now the pathway has been made clear. The same deal that they gave to them has now been given to the church. Thank God I was born when I was born. God chose, it says in Acts, God chose the times and places where we'd all be born and when we would live. Thank God he chose me in 1961. Thank God. Why? Because I think I'm getting a better deal. I know I'm getting a better deal. Are you? So now, you are a chosen people, church. Not just the Jews. So when a Jew says, well, we're the chosen people, say, shut up, you're lying. So am I. I'm just as chosen as you. Why? Because my Bible says, everything you're doing is obsolete. Everything I'm doing is relevant. Why? Ask him whose priesthood's working. It ain't theirs. It's not their priesthood that's working. So when you see the Jews giving it this, wailing at the wall and you see him doing all the feasts and festivals. Guess what? The Bible says that's been rejected a long time ago. Oh, that'll make Jews mad. Oh, that'll make them so mad. You know what? It'll even make a lot of Christian Jews mad. But listen, it's obsolete. That's why I can never understand these Christians who want to go and start going back into, into the Jewish roots and start take, celebrating all the feasts. It's gone. It's gone. No, I, then, then you say, well, you're anti-Semitic. There's nothing anti about it. It's Bible. Why do I want to go and celebrate Yom Kippur? Why am I going to eat all these? No, the food might be great. <laughs> food might be great. I've got no problem sitting down and having the food to eat. No problem. But guess what? It says here, it was obsolete. That's what got Paul in trouble. Paul was telling him, your rules and regulations no longer matter. Does it matter what I eat? One guy's saying, well, it comes from the temple of idols. He says, it doesn't matter what goes into a mouth. It's what comes out. He's trying to say, it's over, boys, it's over. But if it causes your brother to stumble, then don't do it. 
It's over. You've got to understand that the regulations and traditions of the Jewish people are obsolete. That's what got Paul stoned. That's what got Stephen stoned. That's what got Jesus crucified. Peter crucified. That's what's got the martyrs killed. So when you preach this, that the Jews haven't got all the best deal, you've got the best deal. And they're going to have to be brought back into what they let go of. But we're being brought into Zion. If they want to get in on the deal, we're still going to Zion. But guess what they've done? They've called Jerusalem Zion and think that's the place. Jesus said, or the Bible says, he's not building temples built by men's hands. So what was David's old palace? It might be Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, if you read Revelation, still has a major, major impact upon what happens and how things happen. But guess what, guys? We're spiritual. We've been brought to Zion. Zion is no longer in Israel. Jesus moved his location. He changed his headquarters. Can you see this? It's now a spiritual dimension that can break out in any nation. We don't have to go to the Holy Land to get a glimpse of him. I got a glimpse of him this morning. This is Holy Land right here. Enjoy the holiday, but don't expect to find Jesus walking along the road. Don't expect to find the disciples rowing the boat. Peter on the, don't expect to find Peter cooking you breakfast for you. He won't be there. Why? I carry Zion, you carry Zion in here. The priesthood's changed. Can you see this? And they didn't understand this. They were so religious and so stubborn. They thought, no, 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 we're Jews. It'll always work for us. No, 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 no. Jesus told them, your day's coming. Oh, I've longed to gather you like a mother hen would gather its chicks, but you wouldn't let me. So guess what? I'm moving on. God told his son to transition. His son transitioned. Anyone who believes in him must transition. That's why he's the way, the truth, the life. What does the way mean? You've got to follow him. How do you follow him? With the truth. And what does the truth do? It produces a life. What most people want is life without the way and the truth. If you don't have the way, right, you, they had, now as the Jews got truth, they've got an element of truth. It's old. It needs upgrading. They're still r- running Windows 95. We've now moved on to Apple. iPads. We're in a different generation, a better technology. But they're still thinking, well, we can do what you're doing. No, you can. You don't have any power. We have. You still don't have anyone to atone for your sin. We have. They came. What I want to know is, why don't they still make sacrifices like they used to? If they're still under the Old Testament law, why don't they sacrifice? But you believe this stone is precious. Yes, I do. Now to you who believe this stone is precious. Yes, I do. I believe he's precious. But to those who don't believe, the stone is just the builder who's been rejected and has become the capstone. The stone that causes men to stumble and the rock that makes them fall. He's still making people stumble and fall. Why? Because they refuse to transition. Yeah? They stumble because they disobey the message. This is what happens with the priesthood. It disobeys. Yes? But you, and this is what they were destined for, but you are a chosen people. Dream lights, you are a chosen people. In fact, you're a royal priesthood. In fact, you're not even just that, you're a holy nation. In fact, you're even better than that, you're a people belonging to God. In fact, it even gets better than that. 
so that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you weren't a people, just like the Jews. But now you are the people of God. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't it great? Isn't mercy good? Doesn't it taste good? So you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that may declare the praises of God, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. There was a church. Do you believe? There was a church back in Sinai. It's called the church in the wilderness. There was a church. When Israel gathered, that was a church. They didn't call it church, but it was called as the church in the wilderness. There's so many wilderness believers still operating. The church is still in the wilderness, but there's, thank God there's a church rising. Go to Galatians. I know this isn't sweet words this morning and bless me and blah, blah, blah. You know, you've got to be able to understand a wee f- few things. It's good for you this morning to understand where you're coming, where you're going, should I say, where you come from or where you're going. I've had to process this in my heart. So we keep speaking it until we all understand it. You're going from glory to glory. You can't have Zion. I'm going to search. You can't have Sinai. I'm going to show you in the weeks to come what Sinai means for us. It's frightening. So that you'll never ever accept it when you realize that you can change. Amen? He says, talking about Hagar, in Galatians 4, verse 25. Now Hagar stands... For, a mount, for Mount Zion, sorry, for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. So he's taking old with new. He's using typology and symbology because she's in slavery with her children. So he's saying Sinai and her people are in slavery. Can you see that? She's in bondage. But the Jerusalem that is above, now where's above? Zion. The new Jerusalem is Zion. God's changed headquarters. Amen? So the one that's above, listen, she is our mother. For it is written, be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. You always wonder what it meant? Well, I'm showing, and now I'm showing you. Who bears no children, break forth and cry aloud, you have no labor pains. There's no pains for us. We've got the ability to produce. Yes? So cry aloud, break forth. You who have no labor pains because more are the children of the desolate woman than her who has a husband. Now, you brothers like Isaac are children of the promise. He's saying that in Sinai, everything they gave birth to was painful. She had no ability. She was barren. She was sterile. She couldn't produce. All her offerings and all her sacrifices could not produce favor and acceptance. He couldn't do it. But now you've entered into the the new dimension of Christ. Now he says, we're above. We're higher than Sinai. We're no longer on Sinai. As we're making the transition in Christ into into Zion, he's saying that you can produce more because Christ has given us the ability to produce more without the same pain and struggles and trials and tribulations that they once had. We don't have to experience what they did. Can you see that? Now, who would like to give birth to some stuff with no pain? Every lady who says, absolutely. But can you imagine? Can you imagine being barren, but still producing more children? One has the ability, physical ability, 
but doesn't produce anything. One doesn't have the physical ability, but produces everything. Why? Because in Christ, all things are possible. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. To those who are called according to his word and purpose. So we have the ability to increase. That's why since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. That's why there's no end to this kingdom. That's why it doesn't matter if you persecute us, kill us, shoot us, whatever you do, the kingdom still advances. Why? Because God has said this kingdom, this church will fill the earth. Amen? You can't shut us down. You can't shut us down. Church is not closed. Church is 24-7. The pathway has been established. Zion is on his agenda. You are on his agenda. He's bringing us as a corporate group of people into Zion. But there's a transition we have to make. Choices, sacrifices, killing the flesh. Oh, there'll still be some sacrifices along the way. It just won't be the old way. Does this make sense? Why did God give them a substitute? Well, listen, this is what they didn't want on the old mountain, Sinai. This is one of the, one of the, the, the saddest things in my heart when I go to see different churches around the world and I see the big church and the, and the small churches are the same. The small churches don't want to be like the big church. It's the small dog wanting to be like the big dog. Do you know one thing they cut off every time? They cut off the presence of God. Why? Because the program's so important. 30 minutes of worship, followed by the church news, followed by straight into the preaching. You can set your watch every week. And the pathway leading glory into the house, the people are never transformed. The people are getting more and more of less and less. They give them 30 minutes preach. The clock's ticking down at the back. You can count it down, set your watch. You can put your chicken in the oven in that church. Your roast potatoes will never burn. Why? Because they've set it on the clock. I'm serious. They've set the clock. They have told, they've told the people, we start, we'll finish, that's it. doesn't matter what God's doing. There's no activation of the spiritual gifts. There's no desire to push into the presence of God. There's no room for God. Because he's saying in the life of the bigger church, God understands. Oh, he understands. He left. He left. Last scene, heading out of town to a church, church not near you. And that's what breaks God's heart and that's what breaks my heart. This morning, we pay a price to have what we had this morning in worship. We're free, guys. If God's word comes to us at any pace, we're small enough to make a transition quickly. But when you're big and you've got all your programs, well, I can't shut that program down. We can't move. Why? Because you bog yourself down with so much stuff, you can't move. We're meant to be lean so we can move. We have to go left, we can go left. We go right, we go right. We send a quick email out, we're going right. If we, need a, if we need a meeting, we're bringing it in tonight. This is what you need. In the life of the big church, spontaneity means two weeks thought. It's no good. This is not the priesthood that God's after. On Sinai, the people said to Moses, you better speak to God face to face because if we speak to him, he'll kill us. Well, you know, there's a part of them that says, why? Are you so much of a scuffer that you think God's going to kill you? Yeah? Can you imagine me saying to you, I tell you what, don't read your Bibles this week. In fact, we're going to make Bibles obsolete. You're not allowed to read your Bible. Why? Therefore, you won't know more of God than I do. 
and I'm going to know more about God than you, and you can only hear God at the sound of my voice. Can you, would you buy him for that deal? Well, some have. Some have. That's the problem. Why? Because you have a relationship with God. You want to hear what God says. So when I speak, it confirms. True? It should witness. If mine's the only voice you're hearing, you're in trouble. I'll say that again. If mine is the only voice you're hearing, you are in trouble. I am not the guide for your life. I am not your foundation for your life. Let me make that abundantly clear. I am not your truth. I am not your way. I am not your life. I am not your high priest. I am not your, uh, your, your um, heavenly father. You have got the pathway open and made available to you to go all there, all that way and meet him for yourself. I have the joy of presenting us corporately to him. But I am not your guide. I am not your tour guide. Because the moment you only listen to my voice, it's my fault every time when you don't work, when it doesn't work for you. And they said to Moses, Moses, you better go up there and talk to him. Why? Because I think he's a bit ticked off with us. So now I have to go and pray and fast. And then I come out with a great big robe every Sunday. I say, people, dreamer lights. The Lord spoke to me in a vision. The Lord says we need to meet tonight at six o'clock. And you say, that's funny because Sky Sports told me at six o'clock, I got to watch, be somewhere else. And now all the time there's this contention as to what God says and what you're saying. Can't have that in a church, but so much of the ministries today are presenting themselves like that to the people. And they let the people have more and more of less and less. So the people think they all get fixed on Supernatural Sunday. Everything, every problem of mine will get fixed on a Sunday. And then if it doesn't work, it's the church's fault. You don't think that's operation? It is. And it's in just, it's just, it's just as much in you as it is in others. First time you want to leave church, it's always somebody else's fault. Then God has to get you down the road and say, it was me, I'm sorry, Lord. A royal priesthood. God wants to speak to you face to face. The whole point of you, him bringing you to him is so that we can have face to face dialogue. That's what we want in this house, do we not? We want his presence so strong among us so that when you meet with him on a one-to-one basis, the same God that spoke to you here is the same God that's speaking to you at home, showing himself a God of consistency. We are the priest. We carry the ark inside here. We carry him. Amen? We carry him. Can I give you one more scripture? The people's hearts changed. That's why God could no longer meet with them on Sinai. The people's hearts changed. Do you realize this? Listen to this. Let me give you this scripture. In Exodus 20. In Exodus 20 verse 18. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke. Now listen. If you notice when it said in Hebrews. You haven't come to that mountain with thunder and a trumpet like that. Listen. This is what he's referring to. Listen, where was the people? They trembled in fear. Where did they stand? At a distance. Where did the people stand? Come on, say it with me. At a distance. And they said to Moses, 
You speak to us yourself and we'll listen to you like they did. Yeah, right. But do not have God speak to us or we'll die. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you. And he did. So that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. But he didn't. He still made choices. The people remained at a distance. While Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Who said, God is not in darkness. God's everywhere. But notice twice it says, the people were at a distance. But thank God for Moses. There was a man there willing to keep pressing in to God. You're looking at him. I'm looking at some. There are Moses and Moseses here this morning. People who are willing to push into the presence of God. But guess what? There's still some of you stood at a distance. Some of you are quite happy for me to go up the mountain and others to go up the mountain and God to speak. But don't let him speak to me. Because I know I'm not living a good life. I know I'm not living the, the, the life that you're talking about, Pastor. So God won't receive me. So you better go and speak to, me, to him on my behalf. See, the old priesthood mentality is still alive. Oh, you think it was only in the Old Testament. So you sit at the back. You sit at the far back as you can get. Thinking yourself, well, I'm at the back. God can't get me. It's only five strides. And you sit there and you think to yourself, I'll hide, I'll keep myself down, I won't make any noise, God won't know I'm here, the people won't know I'm here, God won't single me out. And God says, hey, you stood at a distance. When the presence of God is speaking from the mountain of Zion, he still finds a company of people stood at a distance. And yet there's a company of people who are pressing forward. So you know what you get? You get a gap. And people will then choose to leave because the price is too high. I'm warning you now prophetically. Only this week someone's made that same choice. Too much for me. I can't, I can't live like this. I make no apologies for people making that choice. This is for the rising of some and the falling of others. And the people will stand at a distance. So what, do the pe- what does the pastor do, the modern day pastor? Well, don't stand at a distance. We'll make it so easy that we can all get together. So we'll reduce it, give you more and more of less and less, so that there's no one at the side. We'll make everyone feel happy. Well, I will serve lattes afterwards, and we'll, and we'll have cakes, and we'll all be nice, and we'll have this wonderful thing called fellowship. Hogwash. Fellowship is not eating food or drinking coffee. Fellowship's around the word. So if they don't like the word in here, why do you want to sit with them around a the coffee? They've got nothing to talk about. When they do talk, they're talking about shopping or whatever it is. That's not fellowship. That's not what the Bible says. Read your Bible. Don't reduce God to where you are. So you let the people, you have a distance relationship with God. And it's okay. As long as we keep doing what we're doing, God will just keep adding hogwash. Oh, people will come. People will come. Why? Because you want more and more of less and less. But when you raise the standard, my friends, you watch God clear the church out. Now, God clears the church, not the pastor. We can't make any apologies for those stood at a distance. Because when he stands on the mountain, he's got something to say to us. And he says, church, dream alike, I've given you, I've given you, church, a chance at this legacy that no other generation had before. I've given you a new coat. 
I've given you a staff. I've given you food for the people. And the prophetic word said to me is the food will be sweet. But it didn't say it'll be compromised food. The food will be sweet. In other words, it'll do us good. But there'll be choices along the way. Well, do I have to pray? Do I have to read? Do I have to attend? Do I have to stand up a bit more? Do I have to pray more? Yes, yes, yes. Can't give you more and more of less and less. So, God's going to bring us to Zion. Welcome to a Zion explosion. You cannot have the old functions and expect the same blessings of the new. You can't have it, church. It doesn't work. One more scripture. I'm finished. I promise. Promise. I'm good to my word. Psalm 132. Oh, I've got so much to talk to you about. 132, verse 13. Psalm 132. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling. This is my resting place forever and ever. Where does God live? Where does God live? So God just doesn't live in heaven. He lives in Zion. Why? He has desired it for his dwelling place forever and ever. Whenever you meet with God now, you meet with him in Zion. You don't just meet with him in heaven. You meet with him in Zion. It's the place of rulership, govern, governance. Yes? See, charismania says, oh, Jesus is in heaven, in the throne room. Where is the throne room? It's in Zion. He changed his headquarters. But many says, oh, he's just in heaven. Well, where's heaven? I need a GPS. Zion. Well, if I can enter Zion, I can understand how to express it on the earth. If I'm supposed to bring heaven down on the earth, I need to understand what dimension of heaven needs to be brought down on the earth. Do you understand that? So the dimension of heaven is government. On the increase of his government, there shall be no end of the increase so there's an explosion of Zion through the earth. And you're in that company of people. He says, you have not come to Zion. You've been brought to Zion. And then he tells you all the dimensions that's in there. And you're all the people, angelic. You've been brought to God. You've been brought to the city of God. You've been brought to a new covenant where the blood speaks better. And he tells you all the dimensions that are in Zion that he wants you to carry and express on the earth. How all the governments, when all the governments come under the subjection of, of our kingdom, it's Zion, what does it? God rules, rules and reigns from Zion. It's not from Israel. It's from Zion. It's a spiritual dimension. And this is, this, listen. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have decided. I will bless her with abundant Provisions. Who wants abundant provisions? You've got to come to Zion. Right? Who are poor, I will satisfy with food. What's one of the dimensions that's coming out of the treasure trove? Food. 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 Because in the days ahead, there will be a famine of the word. There will be a famine of the word. But in the house, there will be food. Why? Because those who meet with him in Zion, there's food. So that's why men will go from place to place trying to find the word, but there'll be a famine. But you, my friend, do not have to starve. 
but you have to meet him in Zion. This is the dimension. So then he says this, listen, it gets even better. I will clothe her priests with salvation and her saints will sing, will ever sing for joy at last. I will abundantly give provision. And listen, here I will make a horn grow for David and set a lamp up for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but crown on his head will be resplendent. All this is in Zion, my friend. When you can cross over and make that, that decision in your heart, Lord, I won't live the old way. I won't live like they, they lived on Sinai. I, won't, I refuse to let my pastor be the only voice I hear. I refuse to press into you. So I, re, I refuse not to press into you. I wholeheartedly pursue you. I'm going to stand when they say stand. I'm going to push when they say push. I'm going to rise when they say rise. I'm going to give when they say give. I'm going to worship when they say worship. I'm going to read your word when they say read it. God, I'm going to break every limitation within me. I'm going to move from Sinai and I'm going to transition into Zion because that's where you're bringing me. This has got to be my attitude from here on. And then when you have have that attitude, you will have a Zion explosion in your life. But you've got to make some choices to transition. We're too comfortable. It's too easy. I'm not inviting some bricks and stones, by the way. But you know, it's too easy. We get away with murder. Compared to what some Christians have to suffer around the world. And yet we do less and less with more and more. Some people are doing more and more with the less and less they receive. Some people have to work five miles to receive what you're getting this morning. In fact, when you go to certain parts of Africa, you have to stay there all day. Because people have walked such a far way to get where you are. They say, don't just give us that. That's just introduction. You better stay here and feed us. Why? Because that's going to be the word they're going to feed on. You give it so easy, my friend. So, so easy. We get a word. We have podcasts. We have CDs. Nobody reads. Nobody listens. We have books. Nobody reads. And they make it so easy. And yet people are dying for this stuff. Send us it. Send us it. We need it. We're hungry. And it's like, it's almost like a travesty. Those who are hungry are hungry for more. And they're hungry for more of what those who are not hungry have got a lot of. And God Almighty has got to help us to transition church. It's not enough to stay where we are. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling. This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned for high, for high, I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provision. Her poor will I satisfy with food. I will clothe her priest with salvation. Now you're a new, you are a kingdom of priests. Kings and priests. So he's talking about you. Yes. I will clothe her. I will clothe the priest. I will clothe her priest with salvation and her saints will ever sing for joy. I will abundantly give provision. Here I'm going to make a horn grow for David and I'm going to set up a lamp for my anointed one. Amen. And I will clothe his enemies with shame, but the crown on his head will be resplendent. Let's stand to our feet. 
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.